Well, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Clout Hub Show. I'm your host, Terry Hansen. It's great to be with you once again today. I'm excited because we have a special guest joining us today, Mr. Noah Ring. He is the author of the ABCs of Politics, and uh, the uh, he's the host of his own podcast show called Let Freedom Ring. And you can find him on Twitter at, at the Noah Ring and NoahRing.org. Welcome to the show, Noah. So good to have you. Thanks for having me, Terry. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Now, I got to ask, you know, how, how old are you actually? Because you're pretty, uh, I know you're a conservative teen, one of the preeminent conservative teen activists that we got in the country. Uh, how old are you? Well, as of today, depending on who's asking, between you and I, since we're friends, I'll tell you 17. But depending on what I want to do, I might be older, you know. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We'll go, we'll go with 17 right now. Your secret is safe with me. Very good. Well, 17, you know, by all stretches of the imagination, that's a that's pretty young, but you've already written a book, got a podcast, and you're already, you know, doing so much. But just tell us a little bit about your book really quick. Whatever got you into politics in the first place? And, right. And uh, so, catch us up to speed. I, you know, my grandmother worked in a high school when I, like, for a decent portion of my life. And, you know, so she was always bringing home books and she was always reading. And, you know, when I was younger, I was like, you know, maybe I should write a book. And so when I was like six or seven, I wrote a little book. I uh, never finished it, but it was about like some like superhero rabbit, I believe. Um, and so I kind of got away from that. But I've always been one of those people who like would procrastinate writing an essay until like the last minute and just would write it and it would just you know get like a 95 on it. And so what inspired me to write this book was, you know, I would go to school every day and I would see like I would interact with, you know, various people in, around my age and I would see how they would act. And then I would get out of school. I'd go through you know, Twitter and I would see like people tweeting like, Oh, like this is what the, like the younger people believe. This is what these people believe. And I was like, I just don't find that to be true. So, you know, after the 2018 election cycle, um, I took some time, uh, kind of off, not really off. And I, you know, said, I'm going to write this book. And so I just, you know, I wrote the book and in the book, I basically discuss how people in my generation feel about things. There's only a few times really throughout the book that I remember, you know, expressly saying, this is what I believe. And I, I, I try to keep it neutral, kind of try to keep it, you know, not controversial at all. Cause I want this to be able like for anybody who, you know, may even live in like New York or may live in, you know, South Alabama where the two completely different, um, right. Ideologies and cultures to read the book and understand, you know, the fundamental questions I'm asking because that's what I'm asking. I'm asking yeah. people in my generation, you know, should the federal government be involved in this? That's a question that, you know, you have to answer yourself. Right. Um, right. So that's how I try to keep it. Now, there were a few things that I like, I was like, if like, for instance, one time in abortion, I was extremely against the late term abortion, but I feel like, you know, 99% of people are. Yeah. So I just try to keep it neutral. And I try to keep now, it in the, uh, in the book, you mentioned something called the live and let live generation. What is that right. exactly? How do you, how do you define right. that? Right. This, this is actually a good time to do this. Cause last night I was on the phone or I was, uh, texting a person who um who lives uh where i live and he you know he's about to go off to the navy but um you know he's you know him and i don't agree on a lot but we agree on a lot at the same time you know when it comes to issues it you know where we agree with the solution but we disagree with how to get there but when it comes to social issues we both believe you know live and let live and this is a guy who in georgia would have voted for stacy abrams uh lisa ring who was a progressive democrat running for congress you know i of course would have voted opposite of that and it's the fact that even though we disagree on abortion and tax rates and everything, we can still agree that, you know, as long as you're not out physically harming somebody, 
you should be able to do what you want to. Now that goes to like drugs, right. that goes to like, stuff like that. And that's why I dubbed us the live and let live generation because that's what everybody agrees. Well, the one thing I've heard regardless, like if we're in school and people are gossiping about this girl, you know, sleeping around or whatever, you'll, there's always one girl who goes, Hey, it's her life. Let her live it. She's not hurting anybody. And that's, that's where that comes from. Like we live and let live. We right. want to be able to live our lives and not worry about people, you know, saying, Hey, don't do that. We just want to live without being judged. So that's where that, that came all right. From. All right. Well, that's good. Well, and I appreciate that. Now, as a 17-year-old, you are graduated from high school, and aren't you getting ready to go to college here uh, this fall? I enroll in classes in a month and 10 days. Okay, so but who's counting, right? So you only got a month and 10 days left of your summer summer break, right. summer vacation. That's, con- uh, that's very good. Congratulations. Well, I'm curious, what are you hoping, uh, you know, again, there's not many, uh, you know, conservative teen, teen activists out there right. in, your, in your situation. Uh, you know, but, but in this age of entrepreneurship and, and digital media and, and everything that's going on, what, what made you decide to go to college? What are you hoping to get out of your college experience? Right. So one thing that I've always, one thing that I've always wanted to be is I've always wanted to be a lawyer. I've always wanted to be a fighter. And so I w- I've always wanted to stick up for those who can't stick up for themselves. And so, you know, I'm going to school and I was going to major in political science, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to change that because I don't believe I need a political science degree. Like, I think I have enough knowledge already to, you know, finish the final exam on that. So I want to go to learn stuff and I'm I'm debating whether or not to um, be an engineering major or be a business major, because those are two majors that you can make a lot of money in. And that's one thing, because I have a friend who, you know, he graduated Ohio State with an engineering degree and he wants to go to law school, but he said, Trust me, you're going to be tired of school after a while. And now he works at Honda. I'm not exactly sure what engineering he does, but he's an engineer and he's making like six figures starting out. He said yeah. he, he's paid off his student loans. He graduated a little little under a year ago. He's paid off his student loans and he's you know living in an apartment in his hometown, which isn't very expensive and he's stacking money up. So if he ever decides to go to law school, which is still an option, right. he'll have the money. And so I know if I do political science, there's not a very big job market in there. Right. For majors. And one thing that is, that's really calling me right now is I, I, you know, I have a lot of family members who have been in the military. So I'm very, you know, I'm very thinking about going into the military after my college years for at least a couple of years to you be an officer, get out and then make a decision. What do I want to go to law school? Do I want to open a business? Do I want to run for an office? What do I want to yeah. do? Yeah. Well, good for you. Well, that's exciting. Well, you got to, you got a lot of years ahead of you and uh, you know, the opportunities are wide open. Your background over the last several years, obviously, you know, paved the way really nicely for you. And, and uh, you've got, uh, you've got a lot of options ahead. So good for you. I was, I'm super excited for you. And, and I appreciate that. And that's good. You know, a couple of, couple of things that have been popping up in the news that I've, I'm curious to get your take on it as part of the live and let live generation, as you've defined right. it is, uh, is this whole question of, uh, of the census. Lately, there's, of course, been a lot of talk uh, by President Trump and people on both sides of the aisle about whether or not a census or excuse me, a, a citizenship question should or should not be included into the, uh, the U.S. census. Now, I right. guess the question that I have for you is, from your perspective, what are, what are some of the consequences, good, bad, or ugly, that would come from having, having the, uh, the citizenship question included in the census? versus not having it in the, in the sentence. Good, bad, or ugly, what are some of the consequences that you foresee from that? Well, this is the first time I've been alive 
really for for a census to really take place. The last time I was like nine, I didn't really understand how that was working. Right. So, you know, when I heard this whole debate, you know, that to put a census question, on, I was like, it's not already on. Like that seems common sense to me. Um, you know, I think the pros of having a census thing is it's constitutional to have a census and in the constitution where it says, where it lines up that we're having a census every 10 years. It, the reason we even have a census is to determine, you know, the house of representatives to go elect and to, that we elect to go and serve us. And, you know, the house of representatives is supposed to represent American citizens. So the pros of it is, you know, it takes away unnecessary um, members from certain States. There's some, um, there's some uh, figures that believe California would lose around nine uh, electoral votes if there is, if this were to take place. And, you know, the cons of course would be, you know, you know, we're not out here going door to door, you know, checking green cards and stuff. Right. When we're doing it. And of course I saw uh, that there's an estimated around 30 to 40% would lie on it anyway. Cause there's, again, there's, and then of course you'd have to cross check it and say, Hey, like is whatever. But so you're still dealing with, you know, people who will slip through the tracks, the cracks. But I believe that, you know, asking whether or not someone's a citizen, you know, and, and the overall view on it is that if you do, this is going to single people out to go be deported. Well, by law, the citizenship like question, like this, like nothing that is taken on the census can be given to any law enforcement agency by law. It breaks the fourth amendment because you know, it's, yeah, it breaks the fourth amendment. So you can't it's, give it to yeah, privacy, right? Nowhere to be scared about this whole thing. Anyway, that's just, that's my take on it. At least I think the citizenship question should be added. And I saw recently that attorney general Barr came out and said that Donald Trump could legally add a census question and there's nothing they could do about it, hmm. which is interesting. Well, that is interesting. Well, you know, there's no question in my mind that there's, you know, this has everything to do with electoral votes and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, but, but, um, but interesting that you kind of cite some of those, those consequences, the pros and cons. I can, I can see it going. Any, any, any predictions as to what's going to happen from your, uh, uh, from your perspective? I think the citizenship question will, like ultimately be added. I truthfully do. I think Trump's like, I think a lot of people, even, you know, people on the left who are just citizens, even deep down are like, yeah, no, I think it should be added. And the problem is a lot of people in DC, at least, you know, forget that they're, that they, they're in a bubble, you know, everybody around them agrees with them. All the mainstream media except Fox agrees with them. And so I believe when you get out to the individual citizens, that's when you start to see, people go, wait, no, that makes sense. Because, you know, the American people don't have an agenda. They just want to live the best life. Right. And the American people overall don't support, you know, people walking over the border and then those people being counted towards our, our census. That's just not how this right. works. And so, you know, I think, I think it'll ultimately be added. And then I think we're, if we want to look at like reapportionment, and this is when, you know, electoral votes get moved. I think New York's going to lose an another couple. I think California's going to lose a couple. I think Florida might gain one or two. I think Georgia, where I live, might gain one or two. Uh, right. Virginia will probably gain one. Um, I think New York's going to lose a few. California's going to lose a few, especially if they put a citizenship question on. Right, right. And you will see a lot of states become, you know, swing states. I think North Carolina might gain one. I don't think South. I think South Carolina will stay, just well, because definitely be some realignment there for sure. Right. And th then it'll be interesting to see what happens. The real, th like, I think the 2020 election. You know, they say every year this is the most important election of our lifetimes. It's the most important election of the decade. Right. Simply because, I mean, not even really because of the presidential election, just because, you know, not only are we doing the census, but after that, each state is going to have to redraw their lines unless, you know, you're like 
Delaware or like Minnesota or not Minnesota, right, like right. Montana. Some won't be affected at all, but right. But you know, if you're if you're in Georgia, for instance, if we gain one, I, we already have, I believe, thirteen, thirteen or fourteen. You know, now we have to draw another line, and of course, one gets added. But the real question is going to be, what happens when a state loses one? Like, who who's getting kicked out of Congress? Right. No, that's that a big comes deal. down to the state legislators. So you better hope that you you kept them happy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's interesting. You know, another thing that's been popping up in the news again is, uh, is of course, the very old and very familiar topic of abortion. I read an article not long ago about uh, some, uh, some, some situations actually popping up in the UK where uh, uh, a particular young lady, uh, you know, was seeking some, some medical help from uh, an abortion clinic, was being right. harassed ultimately by anti-abortion uh, activists and groups like that. And I guess, you know, from your, from your perspective, what, where, what is the right way to deal with this whole topic of abortion? Of course, you got people who are in favor of, of uh, you know, it's her, her body, her right. Then you've got people that are pro-life and, and you've got these arguments. But, but what is the right way to deal with this sort of a, this sort of a conflict? Is it, is right. it to harass the mothers, or these, these, these women who are going into the clinics? Is that the right approach? Or is there a, a different alternative approach that might, uh, you know, that might do the job better. What are your thoughts? Right. Um, you know, of course, there's always the approach of make it illegal, and then it 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 won't it won't go away, but it will diminish greatly. Um, but that I don't think that long term is the best solution because you know that just you know Republicans won't hold office forever, and Democrats won't hold office forever, and it'll switch every couple of years. So I think the best way, honestly, to do it for long term situations would be you know constitutional amendment, which is very unlikely. Um, would be a Supreme Court decision, which again is kind of unlikely, but Clarence Thomas did hint that it might be time to re-examine Roe. But I think the real way is to just change the culture. You know, politics is downstream from culture. You know, yeah. we elect people based on how we feel. And I think if like the Democrats spent 10, 15, 20 years, you know, encouraging people that, you know, it should be allowed. You know, really ever since, you know, Bill Clinton said safe, legal, and rare, they kind of started chipping away at the the rare part. It's still safe and it's still legal. So if we can, you know, raise a generation of people to think, Hey, abortion's not always in the best interest. It's not always in the best interest. And I think another problem that the right has is, and this is the left too. They, the only two people we listen to are the two extremes. Right. We hear, you know, no, uh, no abortion after, con or not contraception after uh, conception. And then we hear, you know, abortion up until nine months. And those are both wildly unpopular. Correct. I think if we were to make a scientific argument that, you know, I think the heartbeat bill is a good scientific argument because, you know, we consider, you know, if you or I, if one of our hearts were to quit beating right now, we're considered dead. So it only makes sense if when our hearts start beating, we're considered alive. Now, does that mean that we should cherish the mother's life over the, or the baby's life over the mother? If right. the mother has a terrible condition, probably not. And again, I don't think that, you know, on one hand, I don't think that, uh, you know, we should kill innocent babies due to rape. But then again, the whole entire rights premise, you know, is that you have to take responsibility for your actions. Well, it wasn't your actions that led you to be pregnant in the rape case. So that's a case that we have to sit and we have to talk about and we have to debate, right. we have to argue about. You know, I, I don't believe that. At one one hand is like I don't believe that you know somebody should be forced to carry a rapist's baby. The only on the other hand, it's still a baby. It's still yep. somebody who, and you know, there's always like for instance, I'm not sure if you're aware of what Plan B is, um, but it's it's a contraceptive that you take you know the day after or like up to 72 hours. 
you know, if you get raped, of course, you know, these pills are like $50 a pill, but it's cheaper than abortion. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, that, and the baby's like, you know, at, at this point it's, you know, not even, it's had just been conceived, which, you know, is, which completely bypasses the six week heartbeat bill. So I think that is honestly the best solution personally. And I think there's, there's obviously people who disagree with me, but I think if you want to end abortion overall, it has to start with the culture. It has yeah. to. Yeah. Well, that is good to, uh, certainly good to understand. Well, it's a, it's a heated debate, heated topic uh, for sure. Well, so one of the other things that has been popping up in, in news recently that I know you've had some personal experience with is, uh, is just this whole uh, kind of big tech intervention into social media and in search. Now, I, I, I was, uh, I was uh, looking at your Twitter feed and I noticed that uh, not too terribly long ago, you had, I think, I think you mentioned that you had 1,500 Twitter followers deleted from your account. What, what happened there? You know, this has happened multiple times since I decided, since I even really got, you know, a decent amount of following, um, you know, basically probably about every month or two, I'll just log on to Twitter and, you know, I don't ever really go to look at my followers cause I don't think that matters. But you know, when you swipe, when you swipe right on your phone to go to profile to see, you know, how your tweets think sometimes, you know, sometimes you're just curious, you know, I know I was like, Whoa, why did my follower count dip that, that hard? And, you know, then I was like, that had to have happened like overnight. And then of course I go and look at my profile and it's, you know, steady downhill. And it's like, it's crazy. And it, it's a terrible issue, but you know, it's happened multiple times. One time I woke up, I had 5,000 deleted and I was like, whoa. And they tend to come back. Cause what tends to happen is it tends to, um, that they suspend the accounts. You know, of course I'm sure some of them are bots, but I've ran, you know, the bot test thing for your followers. And every time I've ever ran it, you know, the lowest I've ever been is 90, like 7% real followers. Yeah. So not all these people are bots. Right. True. And then, you know, so I like the last time I did it, which was like probably a month ago, I had uh, 500 bot followers and like 99, 99% of my followers or so were real followers. The other ones were designated as bots. And you know, I lost 1500. So we're obviously yeah. well over the bot threshold there. Well, I know you're, I know you're not alone uh, in right. I, I, the, uh, the term shadow banning has been getting a lot more uh, attention in the media lately from both liberals and conservatives as it relates to Twitter specifically. And I, I guess from your vantage point, how, what do you know about shadow banning banning? How would you define it as it relates right. to kind of what, what, what you're seeing in the media right now? Right. Well, shadow banning is, when no direct action is taken, at least that the, the, the average person can see, you know, not everybody, you know, log, cause if you log on to Twitter on your computer, you can see your impressions because not, not a lot of people care about that. And so if you're someone, you know, who does a lot of marketing, uh, you, you're curious, how many people am I reaching? You know, how many people, right. cause that, that changes your rates. And, you know, I, you know, my best month ever was when I was at like 20,000 followers and it's not, it's never been the same since. And so, you know, what happens when they shadow ban people is that they hide your content from your followers. Now, of course, I'm not going to be with one type of person. If somebody's following 30,000 people, they're not going to see all of your tweets. That's, that's just, that's just, that's facts. And yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. Like they'll say, I've, I've never, I've, I don't see Trump's tweets in my, in my feed. Well, you're following 30,000 people. So you're going to see all 30,000 of these people's tweets. Now me, for the other hand, I'm following around 600, which means I'm going to see just about everybody's tweets because, you know, definitely different times of the day and everything. I'm going to see around about everybody's tweets. Well, um, a lot of the big, a lot of the big tech companies, for example, like Google or Facebook or Twitter, 
and, and others. I mean, when it comes to shadow banning, this this starts rubbing into some constitutional areas. I mean, do right. they, from your perspective, do they have a constitutional right to 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 ban or censor or shadow ban you know your content from the people that are following you? Do they have the right? right to do this? So that's you know that's something that's that is very uh, very much discussed. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Will Chamberlain, but this is something him and I have talked about it because he is a really he he's a lot he was a former lawyer now, but he you know he's extremely smart. And so I believe it's called Section 230, which, which, you know, separates publisher and platform. And so all these people are registered as platforms, which means they won't really step in unless something crazy is happening. Like, you know, I'm doxing somebody or somebody's doxing me. That's the only times that they're really right. supposed to, you know, child pornography and stuff like that. And so the problem is we're starting to, act, they're starting to act more like a publisher, which is like the New York Times. Right. And so there's that argument. <clears throat> and then there's the other argument. And this is, this one is, this one takes more of a leap, but you know, there's the civil rights act in title nine and everything, which says you can't discriminate a public, now, now a public, um, not a public, a private like business can't discriminate based on race, gender, sex, stuff like that. Um, religion. And so it's not so hard to make the leap that, uh, political affiliation should be added to that list. And sure. you know, a lot of my followers tend to be, you know, conservative, libertarian, people like that, people around that order. Right. And the one thing that I've had the hard time of discussing to them is, sure, it's it's not anyone's ideal plan to, to regulate these companies. But at the same time, I'm against regulation that stifles business. If it would stifle business for Twitter to have to allow Republicans to talk, which in you know it, you can make the case that it, it stifles business for them not to because you know more and more right. people leave and there was a there was a threat of a Twitter of a conservative just like boycott and Twitter's stock like tanked it went down like twenty points or something crazy <laughs> right right and so I think that the best solution to this of course would be free market and to let that work but a lot of times corporate consolidation is true like you know CloudHub for instance starts to get big either you know twitter you know approaches the ceo and goes uh well how about we buy you and then cloud right. like no and then the, so twitter just you know puts out you know your special things and then you lose because twitter already has such a big market and you know because you can't like your guy what you guys do aren't isn't necessarily pat patented and so i think that in some sense regulation wouldn't be the worst and a lot of people are afraid because you know when democrats are in control because they will be again eventually when democrats are in control they'll be in charge of this and i'm like no what if the law simply says as long as somebody isn't calling direct violence if the if the speech is protected by the first amendment then it should be protected you know on your platform i don't think right. that you know that's something that's not open to political persuasion that's something that's not open that wouldn't stifle business and of course there are times when you know we could we could change it we could alter it we could say like if you're going to put something else into your into your terms of service you know it has to be you know it has to be approved by an agency kind of like um i believe it's the fec or the fcc where it's you know there's two republicans two democrats and one independent like yeah. for instance if you were to say um you know bullying should bullying be allowed like actual bullying you know all five of them are going to vote no that's fine you know we won't we won't allow bullying but the problem is if it's like, am I, if I'm saying that Donald Trump is the best president ever, should I be banned? I think the majority of these five people would say, no, you shouldn't be banned either. 
So I think I think there needs to be a pill process, and I think what needs to happen definitely is you you should be able to you know after time you know petition to say hey like yeah you're right I shouldn't have done that like I've changed like I want to be back I think there should be a, a chance for you to come back onto the platform right you right your account back get all your followers process, back right. exactly well I know mm-hmm. that you're not the only one that's dealt with this uh, I, I know President right. Trump and several others have have been have been uh, had accounts shut down or have been been the victims of shadow banning or other forms of censorship etc and in fact this upcoming uh thursday july 11th uh you've probably seen in the news president trump is is holding a special social media summit and inviting kind of the who's who of of social media influencers coming and and i guess my question for you is is in those meetings in those conversations what do you think are some going to be some of the key topics that the president and and all these social media advisors are going to be talking about what's right. you know, what's on your mind well, there i know i know a handful of people who have been invited you know raheem kasim uh cj pearson you know um a lot i know i know a handful of people who have been invited and so they've already said you know if i get my chance to president i'm gonna tell them you know that you know we need to we need to seriously look at antitrust laws we need to seriously look at the publisher versus that but another thing that you know is is kind of this is you know i'm sure the, the president cares about this but I'm not sure if everybody in the administration cares about this. And so th- there's a good chance because Jack Posobiec was taken off the list. And Jack Posobiec is one of Trump's favorite news reporters. And I'm not sure if Trump even knows Jack Posobiec was taken off. And so, you know, he, you know, Posobiec gets retweeted by Trump, you know, routinely almost at this point. And so my fear is that there's somebody in the Trump administration who just doesn't care. It's, it's Twitter, who cares? And that's right. a problem when you have a lot of older uh, people running government is because you know Trump is 70 and a lot of or 73 almost at this point and a lot of people in his administration tend to be older I mean right. even you know some of the younger people are still in their 40s and 50s and they're not really social media savvy so I think something that's definitely needs to be talked about is you know what steps should we take and that's something I, I, I believe it will be you know taken of course you know they can't they're not allowed to have their phones in the White House which is a weird policy that you're there to talk about, you know, social media, which everyone does on their phones nowadays. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm sure as soon as I get out, I'm be like, yo, CJ, what happened? You know, <laughs> Raheem, what's up? Like, let me know. Yeah. But I think ultimately I can see president Trump through some, something will, will allow, we'll, we'll get this fixed. I think, I think one thing that would be smart for him would be, would, um, would say, Hey, I'll give you a tax cut if you implement policies that protect free speech. Because all these companies are going to be like, you know, I, I kind of did care about, you know, political affiliation, but that tax cut just sounds really good as well. So there's that. Well, that makes sense. So one of the questions that I did have is, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, there are certain people that were not invited to this uh, social media summit. Uh, some of the senior executives from Facebook and Twitter, they were not on the VIP list that didn't make it. I mean, what... What message does that send? Why do you think that that's not an that's not an accidental move? Why why weren't why weren't Zuckerberg and Dorsey invited to? Uh, well, uh, it's you know it's pretty simple. You know, uh, Zuckerberg has had his time in in front of Congress, I believe, twice now, at least once. You know, Dorsey has been in front of Congress. He's also had a private meeting with the president. You know, we don't know what was said in that meeting, but they've had a chance to let their voice be heard, to let their side of the story be told. The problem is when it comes to capitalism, this is one thing that is always true. There's different motives. 
you know, your reason for going to McDonald's and buying food is different than McDonald's reasons for making food. They're not hungry. They want money. And so, you know, if you want to, if you want to get a true answer, you know, for how a restaurant's doing, you don't talk to the owner. You don't talk to the manager. You talk to the employees. If you're, you know, the health, health inspector, you know, like just say, Hey, cause if you ask the owner, for instance, have you ever seen a cockroach around here? No, they're going to say no. But if you talk to the customers, you know, there's a chance that they might say, well, yeah, actually I did see one once they're going to be, they have a, more of a reason to be honest. And, you know, I think that, you know, Trump also understands that he won due to the election. That's how he won the primary due to social media. Social media played a huge role. That's what, yeah, that's what set him apart. And that a lot of people believe that's what pushed him over the edge over Hillary Clinton because she was so, um, she was so confident that she quit buying Facebook ads and, you know, YouTube ads. And so what the Trump team did is they, you know, bought the YouTube ads that she was going to have and idled him towards the swing states. And then, you know, Trump won by 40,000 votes in like three states. That's what sent him over the edge. And so that's what a lot of people, you know, think that's what happened. And that's when a lot of people, like, cause like 2015, 2016 Twitter, you know, there was no shadow banning. There was no, uh, deleting, right, right. you know, and same on Facebook, but it's been, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 is where it started to get progressively worse. So I think that's why they didn't get invited because they've already had their time and they yeah. have such a big platform that if they called the white house and said, Hey, I want to talk to Trump, you know, there would be a meeting arranged, but Raheem yeah. Kassim and CJ Pearson and Ali Alexander, they don't have the same resources because, you know, Trump's only on Twitter. Not, he's, he, he's only on Twitter really to tweet. He doesn't really ever go through Twitter because he's the president. He doesn't really have time. So yeah. I, think that this, I think that's what his plan was. He was probably like, look, guys, I want to hear from the people. I was elected by the people, not by Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. So it's a move to really hear from the people, not from, uh, not from people who've already had their chance. Interesting. Well, so I, I mean, as you know, with CloudHub, CloudHub is a next-gen social media platform that supports free speech privacy and 100% transparency in all of its all of its rules. Now one of the things that we've heard in the news recently is Steve Wozniak, co-founder mm-hmm. of Apple, recently came out and has been encouraging people to delete their Facebook profiles because of privacy concerns. And and I guess one of the questions that I had for you was this whole topic of privacy. We talked about shadow banning and censorship and and, and manipulation of algorithms and things like that, but when it comes to privacy, how big of an issue in your mind is privacy on the minds of the live and let live generation? Is that, is that, is that a big deal or right. do um, millennials not care about that? Or what are your thoughts there? I, th- I think it is. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Eric Finman, but he was this guy who he, um, he bought a lot of Bitcoin or he sold his company for Bitcoin for like 20 bucks and he became a millionaire. And, you know, he's somebody that I've always looked up to. You have, have had a few conversations with him. He's a bright guy. And one thing he said, you know, a couple of years ago that really stuck with me is privacy is the next commodity. Whoever can offer the most privacy over the next generation will win the next generation. And I think it's true. And now, you know, because people don't want their private, you know, things being being shown around without their permission. That's just, you know, right. again, whatever Permission's, human wants. Permission's a critical exactly. deal. Exactly. Like, yep. You know, right now, you know, if I said, like, this is a true story. When I was looking into schools, I, was, I wanted to stay in Georgia so my credits would transfer from my college classes I took while I was in high school. So I was looking into Augusta University, you know, good school. I was scrolling through Face or Instagram, you know, a couple hours later, an ad for Augusta University popped up. Right. So this, thing, this thing's listening, you know. Yeah. And so that's something, like, I think people only want people to know what they want them to know. They don't want people to know. Because imagine, 
anybody who has ever had a friend who, you know, if you tell the friend something and the friend goes and tells somebody and you find out, you're not happy about it. So why would you want some complete stranger doing it? Yeah. I think that's, that's, you know, very easily the biggest commodity over the next, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Well, now I, speaking of Clout Hub, our social media platform, I know you, uh, several months ago, you set up your own profile on Clout Hub. Curious to hear what, what, what's been your experience using Clout Hub? What, uh, um, yeah, what's your experience been like? Yeah, I love, I like Cloud Hub. You know, I like that, you know, it's a different conversation than what's happening on, t- on Twitter because that's my primary source is Twitter. And Twitter is limited to 280 characters. And there's no real in-depth because comments don't really, aren't really comments. You know, they're just extra tweets that just happen to be kind of tagged to you. Um, you know, it's a different, it's a different, you know, monster to say the least. Because yeah. Twitter's a monster, Facebook's a monster. And Cloud Hub, I like that it gives the power back to the people. It allows people to, you know, in a sense, you know, expose, you know, and say what they believe and to say, hey, like, this is what I think. This is, you know, this is what you think. Let's talk. I've seen more and more. What I see on Twitter is, you know, cheap shots to get retweets. What I see on CloudHub is, this is what I believe. This is what you believe. Let's talk about how, why, and who, what you believe. And that's, you know, that's one thing that I've always liked about CloudHub. Even if I don't post on there, I'm still just scrolling through, seeing you know this, that, and the other. It's it's fun. It's great to see. That's oh, great. Well, we're uh, glad to have you join us there, and uh, and uh, certainly welcome any of your followers, any of your listeners to to join and follow you as you uh, post some some special content there as well. So, right. well, Noah, it's been great to be with you. Sure, appreciate the time and uh, the chance to uh, you know get better acquainted with you, but also hear some of your thoughts and some of these issues that we've been that we've been talking about. Tell everybody where they can get a copy of your book, The ABCs of Politics. You guys go, if you guys want a really, really simple way to do it, you know, you don't have to look anything up, just type in noahring.org. It's one of the first things that pop up and you know, it's donate if you want to donate. Hey, I'm not, I'm not against that. And then it's, you know, buy my book. And if you buy my book, you know, I get proceeds. I donate proceeds uh, away as well. You know, whatever you want to do, I appreciate it. It's a great book. It's a short book. If you want it to be signed, you shoot me a, shoot me an email contact at noahring.com. And we'll talk about your address and everything and how to get it out there. But I hope you guys enjoy. That's great. Well, Noah Ring, one of the country's most conservative uh, and foremost teen activist, author of the ABCs of Politics. And you can uh, check him out more on his podcast, Let Freedom Ring. And uh, it's been a great pleasure being with you, Noah. Thanks again for joining us. For sure. We'll see you guys again on the next episode of the Cloud Hub Show. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye.